This is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Paul Cochran here with my colleague Garrett Crawford. Good morning, Garrett. Hey, Paul, what's happening? 865-770-5031. That's a number you can call if we uh, just uh, stimulate your thought process and you want to follow up and find out some more about uh, some of the items that we're discussing. Or you can go to makingfinanceseasier.com. That's what we call our little show here on Saturday mornings, Making Finances Easier. But let's start with something trivial. Garrett, your favorite action movie? Uh, the the first movie that comes to mind, I'm not sure if it classifies itself as an action movie, but I'm going to go with it. And that's uh, Ocean's Eleven was always a <laughs> uh, favorite movie of mine. I can't remember if Ocean's 12 and 13 and the other ones they did lived up to the first one. But I remember, boy, I don't even know how long ago that movie came out, probably 10, 15 years ago. But, Cheering for the bad guys. But whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever age I was, I remember... Uh, at least at that point in my life, I had never seen a movie where, like, you kind of didn't know what was going on yeah, or how yeah. they were pulling off the heist of the casino. And, uh, you know, they were blurring the lines between the bad guys and the good guys. Uh, but at the very end, when they kind of showed how they did it, I remember prob- I was probably in my teenage years as my guest, but I thought, wow, yeah. that was awesome. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I've told Eva before, some of my favorite movies are the ones where if you're paying attention throughout, you can kind of, if you were smart enough while watching the movie, you could figure out the end. Uh, but uh, the movies where you would never be able to pick out the ending uh, is a different category for me. But Ocean's Eleven was a, one of my favorite movies when it came out at the time. What about you, Paul? Well, that's good. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, uh, Sandy and I just finished kind of a uh, almost like a contemporary version of that movie, uh, you know, different but similar. It was a series on um, Netflix called Kaleidoscope, and it was probably, I can't remember, maybe it was six episodes or whatever, but uh, same type of thing. Uh, bad guys, uh, you know, are wanting to pull off this big heist, but the way they get you to cheer for the bad guys is they make the guy they're stealing from a badder guy, yeah. you know? And so, uh, so anyway, it was, it was, uh, entertaining. Probably wasn't as epic as Ocean's Eleven, but it was, uh, it was well, entertaining. Yeah, I'm probably an uh, odd man out here because I feel like the movie got great reviews, but I sat down just recently and watched the latest Golden, not GoldenEye, James Bond movie. Uh-huh. And, uh, I, I I think I've made it through three quarters of the movie, and I just wasn't a fan of it. I was a big fan of the older James Bond movies, but uh, it almost felt like a Marvel superhero movie in yeah. that, you know, he was going through and getting all the bad guys, but it was supposed to be a re- realistic movie. But uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't too thrilled with the latest yeah. James Bond movie. So as far as action movies for me, I guess where I would lean would be uh, – it's hard – I really did enjoy the the Bourne series. Mm. 
I just really, um, uh, and even things like clear and present danger, anytime you've got a guy, you know, trying to do the right thing. And, uh, uh, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed those born movies. And when one came out, it was like, ah, I was going to be there watching it, buddy. Uh, I just recently watched the Paw Patrol action adventure. Oh boy, Paw right, Patrol! Right there for my five-year-old. The man's I, got ki- children. I can't believe you didn't mention the Paw Patrol. <laughs> okay, so now that we've uh, bored you to death with our our movies, um, cash is what we're talking about today. Cold hard cash. So, um, so much has happened. I I, I think we've gone uh, getting close to full circle. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago where um, maybe even the year 2000, again, I'm, I'm pulling this out of thin air. I'm just trying to use my memory here. But I think in 2000, you could probably in a money market, you know, get close to 6%. And um, um, then we went through a period here that really uh, uh, up until just a year and a half ago where interest rates were closer to zero. And, um, and so, um, and, and, I, and I would just, uh, this is gonna sound a little bit like a commercial probably, but you know, Garrett, that's one of the things I really love about what we do is, you know, because we're fiduciaries, we can pivot through times. It's not like there's one solution that fits all, a, you know, uh, all ages, not ages of people, but ages of time. And you always do this. I mean, I guess there's some immutable things. Like, well, you need to save your money. But but when it gets down into, well, where can I have a safe asset class that's earning money where I'm not going to lose any money type of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, of course, the annuity salesmen are going to say, oh, have I got a story for you, you know. And, and so, so um, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. But um, here we've come uh, back to uh, uh, a scenario where people can actually earn some money on cash. Now, is it keeping up with inflation? Well, uh, it's getting closer, but it's a lot better than it was. Yeah, and so I, I, I've been working here at Providence almost 10 years now, and so I, I haven't really known another environment uh, to work with clients and where cash just, you know, it helped our peace of mind and we encouraged clients to keep enough cash in their bank account so that they could sleep at night. But it was almost like, and you'd hear about this in newspapers and headlines, but it was like there was nothing else but stocks. If you went to a bond paying, you know, half a percent interest, it was like, is that really the, even with, I have some upside and downside with a bond fund, but is that really worth investing my money into where I lose some of the liquidity and getting access to it? And uh, I think you saw, at least in my time here, the past 10 years where clients were kind of forced to have a little bit higher stock exposure in the stock market than maybe they were used to because right. there just weren't any attractive alternatives. So right. I, I've seen, you know, here with you, I'm, I've been seeing that happen. And so one of the, the interesting phenomenons that's happened here in the past 12 months has been... Um, the online banks uh, are outpacing by the biggest differential ever the interest rates that they offer for um, account holders than the local banks. And again, this is not a knock on local banks, but typically um, a bank is going to offer higher rates when they 
they want to bring money in the door. Well, a lot of these places, a lot of these local banks and these brick and mortar banks, they have more cash on hand now than they've ever had. And so they're, they're not incentivized really to, 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 you know, to bring in a whole lot more, or at least they're going to go after um, more loans and things like that where they, you know, can can make higher margins. And again, you bankers, if you want to, you know, call in and correct me, feel free to do so. But what we're seeing is that the online alternatives, the online banks, and some people, I kind of really like your phrase, I'm going to co-opt it here, but the return on hassle, uh, that, that whole idea that you've kind of uh, brought to, to my attention in your, uh, that unique phraseology, that um, sometimes it takes a little bit more doings. And the question is, is that extra work, is it worth it? And for some people it is, and for some people it isn't. Because opening up an account online, you know, isn't as convenient as going down to, say, the 10 Bank or, or the ORNL Credit Union and opening up an account. Yeah, sure. And so here's, here's kind of my thought, Paul. Maybe we could hang out here and talk for a few minutes. But I'm thinking about, uh, you know, this radio show. Somebody's, you know, they're getting close to retirement. They've... Uh, you know, they're in their higher earning income years. They haven't been getting a lot of interest. They haven't been putting it, you know, into investment accounts, but their checking account or savings account is is blooming. <laughs> it's growing, but they're just, uh, they're wondering, is there something better that I could be doing with that cash uh, that is growing in my checking and savings account? So, uh, kind of somebody, I'm thinking about somebody that's driving around today and they've just got too much cash and they're not just sure what what the prudent thing to do with that cash would be to make sure they're stewarding their finances as well as they can. And uh, to know how to steward those finances and that cash and get the most return insurance, sometimes it's a difficult landscape to even know what's out there. And so uh, today is January 18th, and so these rates uh, they'll fluctuate even next week a little bit, but probably not much. But uh, hey, before you give the rate, so basically where we're going here is we're going to touch on a couple of these different places that fall into this category and kind of touch on the pros and cons of each one of these. So keep correct. going. And so I, <clears throat> the first category you have to think about is something that we call liquidity. And so when I say liquidity, that means that you can get to your money immediately. If, if, if an asset is liquid, it's like your checking account. You can drive over to your bank. You can tell them to uh, withdraw $1,000, and they'll give that $1,000 to you today with no penalties. Uh, if something is illiquid or not liquid, that means your money is tied up. It's invested in something where if you can get to it before the maturity date, you're going to assess a penalty uh, or maybe even some products you can't get to except maybe 5 10% or something a year. And so anytime we're talking about cash, not necessarily long-term retirement savings, but cash, that money that you might need for a new roof or a new car, we want to make sure that we are uh, aware of the different liquidity issues and the different types of things you could invest that cash in. And so I've already said, you know, really the most liquid thing, uh, and that would be, uh, you know, a checking account or a savings account. You know how that works. Almost everybody listening will have a checking and a savings account. You put money into your checking account, 
probably for your daily expenditures. And then uh, maybe some of you also have a savings account that gets a little bit higher interest rate. And they're paying right now. I've, I've got here, uh, these are a couple local banks, but 0.01%. Uh, but even a savings account isn't paying more. You might be at a credit union where you're getting a little bit higher. But if, if it was here in town, I'd be surprised if it was over a percent. Um, but checking and savings account is the most liquid and uh, probably the lowest interest rates that you're going to get. So let's contrast that then with the online banks that do the same thing functionally, but you'd have to link that online bank with your local bank if you wanted to get that money. Yeah, so uh, what we've seen in the past is that the, the people have a bank and their savings account is paying less than a percent, but you can go online and you can find a savings account uh, with an online bank. They're not going to have the brick and mortar stores here in Knoxville. Uh, They're not going to have somebody you can go up and talk to. They may not have their own ATM machine, uh, but they're going to pay right now for, I think the when I Googled, one of the top ones was 3.30%. There were a couple other ones that were higher, but I wouldn't put my money with these companies I hadn't never heard of before. But that 3.30 was a reputable online bank. But the hassle involved is you've got to go to this institution and either move your checking account over to the online bank, which, you know, not everybody wants to do, change all their monthly subscriptions and change the account number and routing numbers. Uh, You might not have a convenient ATM location, like you might have to go inside a Kroger and get reimbursed for an ATM fee to get to cash. Uh, Maybe that 3.5% or 3.3% just isn't isn't worth it for you to do that. But online savings accounts, in this case, that's like 300% more interest yeah. than 0.0%. So for people that have a lot of cash, uh, that's, that may be worth the hassle. Uh, for somebody that has not a lot in savings and just uses it as a budgeting tool, probably not. So let's uh, just stick in that, that liquid category, money that's available right away, um, and let's, let's explore a couple other options. I know one of the things that I really appreciated about our uh, investment team is they're, they are able to creatively pivot as, as the weeks go on to include alternatives. So like one of the things that I've really appreciated is that, uh, that they've done here in the last six months is that stable value fund. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so stable value fund, this is something that uh, a year ago we weren't recommending to clients because the interest rates that they were getting just weren't worth it. <laughs> Uh, you could basically get the same thing in a savings account. But uh, as we've mentioned on this show a couple of times, things have drastically changed in the past six months. And a stable value fund is now competitive with the rates that you're going to see at a savings account for one of those online banks. And so they're all short term treasuries. They're um, they're, they're all going to be these short term uh, little notes that uh, are going to have very low risk. Yeah, so our stable value fund, we can, you can talk about it here in a second, Paul, but it's primarily made up of a money market fund and something called an ultra short bond fund. Both of these security investments are short term in nature. Uh, the ultra short bond fund is going to be something less than a year. Uh, 
uh, and they're going to be completely liquid, meaning that you can get to these funds at a very low risk and have them back into your bank in two to three days. So that may not be as fast as you know driving over to the bank and putting it right in your uh, in your wallet. But for most people, a two to three business day turnaround time is still what we would call a very liquid and readily available. If you do a home project, you can have that money in your bank before you actually have to pay the builder the the following week. So uh, we would call our stable value fund a uh, a liquid investment account, just like a, a savings and a checking account. Well, let me let me just uh, interject this that. This brings up an important point. So people might say, well, gosh, then, so how much should I have in my checking? And then how much should I have, you know, in stable value or some other category that's still liquid, but paying a little bit more? How, how should I divide that out? And um, and here are a couple rules of thumb for that. It's a again, it's a judgment call and there's not necessarily a right and wrong. But you and I, you know, we're, we're fans of having a, you know, a strong cash position, a, a cash position that you can get your hands on so we can pay our bills, not go into debt, et cetera. And so um, how much should you have in a checking account? Uh, again, judgment call. But with the differential right now, I, I, I would argue um, again, judgment call, but I would argue that uh, really a circulating amount in the checking account, enough to cover bills, enough to easily cover bills, and then have this other pocket that's earning, if, if I'm earning 0.01% of my checking, have this other pocket that's connected to my checking account that's earning, you know, over four uh, and uh, in, in that or in that four vicinity that I can have readily accessible uh, right away. And then the question becomes, well, how much cash should I have earning a small amount versus how much in the stock market? And every household is a little bit different. If you want us to, you know, give you a review and kind of look at your situation and draw you out a little bit, 865-770-5031. Or you can go to makingfinanceseasier.com and, and set a phone appointment with us and we can dial this in. But the point is that, um, Every household's a little bit different, and every household has different liquidity needs, different goals, um, and but that's a, a very important thing to address. Yeah, so for somebody, again, you're driving around getting close to retirement, just something to consider for your cash in your bank is, is looking at money market funds, uh, looking at these ultra short duration bond funds, uh, super competitive. And what you might find, like a lot of our clients, uh, they already have a relationship. We use TD Ameritrade right now, and uh, they've already got a relationship at TD Ameritrade, and they have their investments there. And so, it's the return on hassle is actually very low mm-hmm. because they have their checking account and savings account at their bank. But you know, they already have an existing relationship with TD Ameritrade, so that their bank is already linked, and it's just not a hassle. And they don't have to go to that additional third financial institution where our stable value fund. And this is kind of where I'd leave it is. You know, even after our financial advisory fee is competitive with the interest rate return that you would get on uh, an online savings bank. Yeah, excellent. And so, Paul, I thought maybe uh, for the last few minutes we have here, we could touch on just a couple of those other ones. I think the, the two categories that I would say are not liquid but need to be looked at are CDs 
and something called a MIGA, a multi-year guaranteed annuity. And I think for, for most of the people out there, they're going to kind of know how a CD works. You know, it's FDIC insured, offered from uh, uh, their local bank. They may get advertisements and mailers. But I, I looked online again, a couple local places, a one-year CD, 4.25%. A three-year CD, 4.35%. A five-year CD, also 4.35%. But this other category, Mm. I'm going to give the rates here. Maybe you could spend the last couple minutes talking about them. Uh, Multi-year guaranteed annuities, uh, 4.75% for a one-year, 5.53% for a three-year, and 5.65% for a five-year. Actually, let me correct that. It's a 4.75% for two years, 5.53% at three years, and 5.65% at five years. So uh, you can tell that the multi-year guaranteed annuity, the MIGA rates are higher than a CD. So for somebody, again, out there driving around, why is that? What do you recommend when it comes to MIGAs and CDs and that liquidity that they give up? Well, the insurance company, uh, they're, they're dealing with a, a little different deck and have different variables than, than the local bank does. And the, as far as risk goes, your, your main risk is just the strength of the insurance company uh, or the strength of the bank on both of these scenarios. So the bank could go under, that's possible, but it's FDIC insured. The insurance company could go under, but the, the, the cash requirements that they're called to have, plus the state guarantee association, all the insurance companies kind of pitch into this pool and they protect uh, the, um, the assets of, of all the other ones. And so the argument could be made that, that you know, a, a three-year, five-year uh, CD-type annuity of a MIGA, a multi-year guaranteed annuity, that it's safer than a bank because they're they're just there's so uh, their their reserve requirements are so high and they have to have so much cash on hand. So the big question there is, do when will I need that money? And um, so I, I have this this one uh, client that I've known for years and. He just loves these MIGAs, and um, uh, even against my advice, he just always wants to get a MIGA. And uh, um, and so what he goes after are the MIGAs that will let you take interest only. And so usually the way they go out there is, you mentioned that one that was a five-year, like at a 5.65 or something like that. The company might say, okay, we'll do 5.65 if you don't want to take anything out of it, but we'll offer you know 5.45 um, and we'll let you take interest only. So that means every month, You'd be able to get a deposit into your checking account from this MIGA, and then at the end of the time, you'd get your full principal back. So for some people, if they want income, and they're very, very conservative, and they don't want to lose anything, but they feel like, oh, the CDs just really aren't paying enough, it can be a great alternative to have money in their checking account with with essentially, uh, for all practical purposes, almost no risk on their money. Well, ask a question here. I bet you know the answer. Uh, if if you have an IRA money, so we've been talking about cash, but if somebody has IRA money, uh, could you put IRA Absolutely. money into a MIGA? Absolutely, uh, you could. Absolutely. The only thing you have to be careful of is, is do you have a way to satisfy your required minimum distribution if you're over, uh, you know, 72? Um, 
But I tell you what, we're, we're out of time today. Uh, it's a great subject. If you have questions, 865-770-5031. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC. Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC, are affiliated companies. Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis and Providence Wealth Management are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.